Welcome to Twice Born Podcasts. My name is Mike Bailey. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to get your feedback, and if you have any questions, please go to twiceborn.net. You can also find us on social media. I hope that you find this podcast helpful and informative. God bless. Discipleship. I know that's a churchy word. You don't typically hear that anywhere else, but it's an important concept. It's an important principle that we believe is valuable in every time we meet together that we look at being disciples of Christ. That's why we say we want to be disciples, who make disciples of all generations. And so I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor. You can stay at that slide. And the question was always, you know, what, what is the church and what are Christians, right? I grew up in the church. And so for many years of my life, the belief I had was if I do a list of good things and don't do the list of bad things, then God's happy with me and that's what it means to be a Christian. And a church is a building that you gather in and that you sing songs and you read from the Bible and you give a tithe and an offering and then you kind of go home and that's what church is. And so that's what I grew up thinking church was. Church is a place, it's a building where people gather and they hear someone preach and they sing songs and they give some of their tithe of their offering and then that's about all that it is. And a Christian is someone who does more good things than they do bad things. Are you familiar with this at all? Does this sound familiar? And so... As a pastor, I meet a lot of people. I have a lot of wonderful conversations. I love getting to know new people. I remember we went on the mission trip recently to Africa. We were with a group of people. And I was just saying, I try to go on a missions trip once every other year or every three years. I want to get out of the country. I want to go see what God's doing and be a part of it. And so uh, one of the other teammates said, well, why do you do that? What is, what, why do you uh, make that investment and spend that time to go other places? Well, one of the things as I was thinking about it is I love meeting new people. I love going to new cultures. I love to see how God works in different places on the planet. And what I realized is we're very much the same everywhere you go. We want to be loved. We want to be respected. We want to be valued. We want to belong. We want to have a purpose. We want to have meaning. Wherever you go, whatever language is spoken, whatever cultures, that's kind of at the base of it. And so I've met a lot of people, and I've had a lot of wonderful conversations, and I've had a lot of spiritual conversations. Um, And in some of those conversations, sometimes I hear things that surprise me. I hear things that are interesting. I remember when I was in Virginia, I was a pastor at a church there uh, near Richmond, Virginia. And I had a guy that was about my age at the time, mid-30s. And he was having a lot of issues in his marriage. They were getting divorced. He had a lot of problems in his life. Um, He was struggling with alcohol. He was struggling with drugs. And he had a lot of challenges in his life. And so I began to ask him, you know, what do you believe? What is your view of life? Do you consider yourself a Christian? He said, yeah, I'm a Christian. When I was seven years old, I prayed to receive Jesus as my Savior. I came forward. The pastor told me what to say, and I said it. And then I became a Christian, and that that was that. And I said, all right, so that's awesome. I'm excited for you. I'm glad you made that decision. How has that transformed your life? How has that impacted your life? How has that uh, decision impacted the other decisions of your life? And he began to say, it hasn't. It hasn't impacted me in any way. There's nothing in my life that I can say, I made that decision because I'm a follower of Christ, because I believe in Jesus as my Savior. And I think one of the challenges we have, and maybe this is something you've seen in your own life, is it can be very confusing what it means to be a Christian. What is a Christian? 
What is a church? We're gathered here. Is it just this building? Is a Christian just people that have more good in their life than bad in their life? Is Christian a, a list of rules of do's and don'ts? I think there's a lot of people, if you're in the same situation as me, that's what you grew up with. That's what you believe. That's what you saw. In a sense, that's what you were taught. And so today we want to dive into that because Jesus, he never said just pray a prayer and everything's okay. You don't have to live for me. You don't have to know me. You don't have to have any relationship with me. You can live as if I don't exist. As long as you prayed that prayer at one point, you're good to go. I believe you're saved at one point in your life, but that impacts the rest of your life. And if it doesn't impact the rest of your life, then that's where we got to start with the conversation. And so this morning, as we dive into this, I really want to understand what a disciple is, because that's what we're told to be, and that's what we're told to make. And so if you're new to church, if you're just checking it out, you're going to get to see behind the curtain. You're going to get to see how the cookies are made, right? What the recipe is. Because these are the nuts and bolts of what being a Christian is, what a church actually is, why we're even here this morning, is being a disciple, growing as disciples of Jesus Christ. And so I want God's word to reveal to us what that means and how we can live that out. And then the real question for every one of us individually in this room, myself included, are you a disciple of Jesus? Jesus. Can you honestly say at this moment in your life, you look at your life, you think about everything about who you are, you say, yes, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Can you say that today? Do you truly believe and does your belief affect your actions and your lifestyle? So that's the question. It's a big one. It's an important one. If there's anything we need to be learning in the church and knowing in the church, I believe it's this. We need to know what a disciple is, and we don't need to know how to be a disciple so that we can all do that. And so we're going to ask the Lord to lead us into this discussion so that we can follow him and be obedient and be what we were created to be. So let's precede his word with prayer. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your holiness. We thank you for your justice. And Lord, in these moments, we are physical beings, but Lord, we're told you want true worshipers that worship in spirit and in truth. And so we want to come into a place where our spirit and our flesh are interacting, where our brains are comprehending the unseen, where we begin to understand things that are beyond the visible, and we're being understand our eternal purpose and our eternal uh, uh, reason for being here at this moment. And so, Lord, I ask as we talk about these big concepts, as we talk about things that are much bigger than any of us, uh, as we talk about the mission that you've given us, that, Lord, we would have clarity and understanding. And, Lord, we would have passion to move forward in the direction that you have for us. And so, Lord, I pray that as we read your words, every single one of us in here would be stirred, that our minds would begin to, to move in your direction, that our heart would begin to move in your direction, that our emotions and all that we are would begin to, to seek after you a little bit more, that we would want to know more about what it is to be your disciple. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bless this time. You'd keep the distractions of food, of stress, of anxiety, of bills, of, of, of physical issues, whatever those things that, that tend to pull us away, that the enemy uses to keep us from learning and growing and maturing. I pray that you would cast those away right now. You'd protect us from those so that we can truly be in tune with your Holy Spirit, so that we can hear from you clearly. And Lord, everyone in this room, Lord, whether they, whether they know you or don't know you at this moment, Lord, I pray that you would bless them, encourage them, and reveal yourself in a new way right now, Jesus. I pray this in your name, the name of the one who has saved us, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
If you have a Bible, you can turn to Philippians 3.13. This is the core verse of our, of our series, of the Restart series. This is Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. This is Paul who told us more about Jesus than anyone told us about Jesus. And so he had a really good concept of what it is to be a, a disciple. And he is very clear here in Philippians chapter 3, uh, verse 13. If you have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you one. You can look on your phone. You can look on the screen. But let's all connect together into God's word. Philippians 3.13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to take hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. And so Paul is telling us, look, no matter what's happened in your past, Whatever is behind you is frozen. There's absolutely nothing you can do about your past. It's done. It's behind you. You can't live on the victories of the past, and you can't be defeated on the defeats of the past. you got to move forward. And where are we moving forward to? And just like a car needs to be realigned on a regular basis, our hearts, our spirits need to be realigned into the things of God. Because if you're like me, your flesh is, is very irritating. It gets in the way all the time. My flesh is always rising up and saying, uh, do this, Mike. Focus on that. Uh, don't worry about this. Uh, get your focus over here. And so I have to say no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit. And that takes a, a fine tuning of the Holy Spirit to speak and reveal and show. And so I have to put off the past. Maybe there, there's times when I, I was really faithful. There was times I was unfaithful. I can't worry about that. i got to worry about now. And I believe in this room, let's worry about now. Let's be concerned about now. Let's think about today. Let's think about this moment. Because this is the only moment you have control over. This is it. And so let's take hold of it. Let's look to the, forward, to the future and move in that direction where God is leading us. And so this whole series is built on let's take a moment to stop, reflect, internalize. Are we really being led by the Spirit of God? Ask ourselves the really tough questions. Am I truly a disciple of Jesus? When it's all said and done, and I turn this life back into its owner, when I meet my creator, will he welcome me in as his disciple? Will he say that he knew me as his servant and disciple? Or will he say he didn't know me? Will he say that he knew you? As you live out your life right now, what are you? Who are you? Matthew 28 is a very familiar verse. We say it a lot. We call it the Great Commission. It is the mission that we are given. It's why every time when you come in here, you heard Betty say it, you'll hear me say it, you hear everyone say it, we're going to be disciples who make disciples of all generations. We don't say that because it was a fancy phrase that we came up with because we wanted to be hip and new. We say it because Jesus said, go make disciples. In Matthew 28, 19, he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This is a mission that he gave us. Before Jesus ascended uh, to go to heaven, he said, look, all of the people that you minister to, I need you to make them disciples. He didn't say make them converts. He didn't say get them to pray, even a prayer. He said make them disciples. Get them to be disciples of me. And that starts with prayer of repentance and a prayer of belief, but it doesn't end there. And so we look at this and we say, okay, I am to be a disciple. You are to be a disciple. We are to be disciples. What's keeping us from doing that? 
What's keeping me from being a disciple? What's keeping people from becoming disciples? Well, Hebrews 5 gives us some insight. Hebrews is really focused towards the Jewish uh, believer, but it's giving some insight into all of our lives. In chapter 5, verse 11, it says this. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who is by constant use has trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Do you see what he's saying here? Do you see what the author's saying? All of us, when we come to Christ, can stay as a little baby, as a little infant, and we can rely on someone to give us milk. And he says that's not what we're to do. But unfortunately, unfortunately, we come to church, we get involved, and we look to someone else to chew the food for us. To, to find the food, to produce the food, and then to give it to us in the most easily receivable manner possible. And Paul doesn't say, uh, the author doesn't say, look, only the pastor should be able to do this. Only the leading singer should do this. Only the Sunday school teacher should do this. He says all of us should always be maturing in our faith. We should always be progressing. We should always be moving forward in our faith. I think one of the greatest tragedies in our culture, which is, I think, maybe unique to our culture, is that we've kind of shared that becoming a Christian is a one-time thing and then it's over. That coming to Christ is the only thing that matters and after that there's nothing else. When nothing further could be from the truth, when you come to Christ, you begin a journey towards him. And every day is a new opportunity to learn something new, to grow in a new way, to serve him in a new way, to, to struggle for him in a new way. But every day is a new opportunity of growth. Every, new, every day is a new day to experience him in a new way, that you're maturing and growing. But what does it say here? It says you don't even take the time. You're not even, you can't even give God a minute of your day. You can't even pursue God, the one relationship that matters more than all other relationships. It's hard for you to give that relationship a minute of your day. It's hard for you to really say, I, I'm going to not eat right now. I'm going I'm to focus on the Lord. I'm not going to watch TV. I'm going to focus on the Lord. I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm going to focus on the Lord. It's so difficult for us, isn't it? Yeah. I'm not condemning you. I'm saying Michael P. Bailey. <laughs> Let's be honest. We struggle in our flesh to pursue God on a daily basis. We struggle to go after him. We struggle to learn more about him. We struggle to learn more about what he has for us. We're content with coming on Sunday. We're content with someone else putting in the time and the energy and the effort. And yet here we're told it's not about somebody else. It's about us. Discipleship. Being a disciple, disciple that word is a student or, or a miniature or, or someone who's being tutored or being uh, completely trained in one way to be just like the teacher, the master teacher. 
Well, you can't get trained if you're only doing it every once in a while and you're relying on someone else to be trained so that you somehow are going to receive it from them. Do you see the challenge? The challenge is when you come to Christ that it becomes a journey for the rest of your life. Jesus said, consider the cost. Consider what you're getting yourself into when you come and follow me. Consider what it is to be my, my child or my disciple. He said, look, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to pick up your cross and follow me every single day. You, in comparison to all the relationships in your life, I have to be the most important relationship in your life by far. By far. Being a disciple of Christ is it's like letting him come in and, and transform your entire life. And it's like the child. C.S. Lewis gives this as an example. He says, you know, when you're a kid, you don't tell your mom about the toothache. Why? Why don't you tell your mom about the toothache? Because if you tell your mom about the toothache, she's going to take you to somebody. Who's she going to take you to? The dentist. And what is the dentist going to do? Is the dentist just going to give you some lollipops and then put some Novocaine in that, that cavity and say, go home? No. No, he's going to mess around with all the other teeth. He's going he's gonna, to, you know, scratch at that hurting area. He's going to get in your gums. How many of you enjoy the dentist getting up in your gums and messing around with No, I don't. But if the dentist doesn't do it, he's not doing his job, or she's not doing her job, is she or he, right? The point is, the point is, when we come to the Lord, we, we don't want him getting involved in all the areas of our life. Because we see becoming a disciple as something, okay, I, I like that, but if, if I invite him in, he's going to go to every area of who I am. And so we stay on the milk. Because the milk is easy, right? The bottle is easy. The bottle is something that we're comfortable with. And he's saying, don't stay on the bottle. If you come to Jesus, crave more. Desire more. Seek more. Become more. You have no idea what he has in store for you. You do not know the wonders of what God has in front of you. But you'll never find out if you don't pursue him. If you don't begin to every day say, I am going to focus my mind, my emotions. I'm going to say no to all the distractions. And I'm going to say yes to knowing you more. To loving you more. It doesn't end at salvation. Our walk with the Lord doesn't end the day you received him. That's like saying marriage ends at the wedding. Right? It's like saying marriage ends. The day, oh, marriage is over. If you watch a Disney movie, that's kind of how it works. Because the real part of marriage is 10 years in. The real part of marriage is selflessness and, and pursuing to know that person more and serve that person better and love that person more. It's not about a one time at an altar saying till death do us part. That, that's vitally important to the relationship. But the relationship is an ongoing thing every day. It either grows or it's, or it's stifened. And so the challenge is there for us. The challenge is there. So what is God's answer? In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, it says this. Paul is telling us, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You know what I appreciate about the Holy Spirit? You know what I appreciate about God? You know what I appreciate about him speaking to Paul to tell us this today? He didn't say, figure it out on your own. You want to be my disciple? You go figure that out. You go try some things out and see how it works out for you. No, he says, look at my life, 
Look at how I'm living my life, and I'm looking how Christ lived his life, and the example is there for me to live. Discipleship is the process of becoming Christ-like. Let me ask you a tough question. We, we talk about discipleship. Discipleship. Disciple means you're becoming like Christ. In the last year, have you become more like Christ or less like Christ? Right? So we gathered here. And I want to encourage you. I want you to walk away from here excited about life. I want you to walk away from here encouraged about eternity. I want you to walk away from here looking forward to knowing God more. But for that to happen, we got to get down into the trenches. we got to get down to those places that are uncomfortable and say, to be honest with myself, I don't look any more like Christ than I did yesterday. And I don't look any more like Christ than I did a year ago. And I don't look like any more like Christ than when I received Christ. There's a process that takes place every day of your life in the Lord. Amen. And it's a maturing process. It's like literally everything else in the universe. It has a beginning and it has a maturation. It matures and it grows and it begins to see clear and it begins to reveal things about itself. Colossians 3, 5 through 11 gives us a perfect picture of what this means, how this looks in a day-to-day -day life. What does this mean about me? What does it mean about you? It says this, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to the earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all such as these. And here's the list. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and what in the image of its creator. Here, therefore, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or sycophant, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And so to be a disciple of Christ, if you look at Jesus, this is what he looks like. It's like going to a mirror. James tells us this example. You go to this perfect mirror, and it shows what should be, but what is not yet. Right? And I look at it and I say, wow, I see some anger in there that needs to be dealt with. I see some hostility in there. I see some bitterness there. I see some tension, stress. I see things I don't like in that mirror. Right? And Jesus says, if you allow me and you allow the Holy Spirit, I'll begin to make you into my own image. And I'll be able to peel off some of those things. And here's the thing. There's two ways you can approach this. You can say, I'm going to stop being like this. I'm going to stop being angry. I'm going to stop all this bad stuff in my life. Is that what he's telling us to do? No, he's saying conform. He's saying, allow me to do it. Hand it over to me. Be honest about it. Repent. Confess. And allow me to transform you. You know what the most amazing thing is? You become a, a deeper disciple with the Lord. You begin to look at your life and say, look what God has done in my life. 
that I could never have done in my own power. Look at these things he's transformed in my life that I could have never transformed if I would have just forced myself. Look at all these things that he has done in me. It's been his work, not my work. I'm, as, as a believer in Christ, my goal and our goal is not to go out to the world and say, look how good we are. Look at all the good things in our life. Look how honest we are. Look how kind we are. Look how generous we are. No, actually, it's the opposite. I am nothing, and only through Christ can I do any of this. And so don't give me the glory. I don't deserve it. Give him the glory. Give him the glory for these things. Because he is the one that's doing it. He is the one that's transforming. He is the one that's making you into this. He is creating the new life. The old life is passing away. All those things that you used to be, all those things that pull you back, all those things that you look in the spiritual mirror and you see about yourself, if you continue to seek after him on a daily basis and you begin to take the meat of his word and you begin to receive the, the, the knowledge and insight that he wants you to have, he begins to tear those things from you and all of a sudden you find yourself, wait a minute, I used to get angry at that. Wait a minute, I used to not like people like those people. I used to have no patience. What changed? The Holy Spirit of God glorifying himself by revealing himself through you. All of these things that we look at that we're to take off are things the Holy Spirit wants to take from us and then he wants to add on to us love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. All of these things he wants to add into your life. Who doesn't want to hang out with someone with all those things that are their attributes? Who doesn't want to have a best friend that's honest and trustworthy and peaceful and self-controlled? Who doesn't want to have a spouse that's honest and loving and kind and long-suffering? Who doesn't want to have children that these are the attributes that define them? But the only way you get there is by admitting, confessing, and allowing the Holy Spirit to do his work. Are we willing to do that? Discipleship is not forcing yourself to be good. Christianity is not doing more good than bad. Christianity is not trying to be a better person. Being a Christian is not saying, I'm not going to do the bads, I'm only going to do the goods. No, it's saying I can't do the good. And only through God and the Holy Spirit can I be transformed to be like him. That's discipleship. And discipleship doesn't happen unless you pursue it. Discipleship is like growing a, a, any kind of fruit or plant. Unless you tender it, unless you nurture it, unless you consider it, it's not going to grow. And there's going to be a lot of weeds. And so this is an intentional act that we do. I would say discipleship is habitually following Jesus' righteousness. Holy habits. What are your habits right now? How many of you have bad habits? I have some bad habits, right? You want to get rid of the bad habits. You know, anything you do up to 30 days becomes a habit, right? That's why they tell you, if you can do this diet for 30 days, you'll be good to go. If you can do this for 30 days, you'll be good because you build habits. You know what the most amazing thing, and sometimes we miss this, God created us to have habits. God created us with the capacity to do what he asks us to do. He doesn't make it easy. I didn't say he made it easy. It's definitely not easy, but he made it capable. 
He made our brains, he made our bodies in a specific way that we can actually get to a habit. Is that amazing? Because what if he just made us in a way where we can't ever stop lying? This is the way we are. I mean, sometimes we tell ourselves that. I can't change. I can't change. It's just who I am. I have this background, right? All of my relatives, all of my nationality, we just get angry. We have no self-control. And we justify things thinking that God can't change us. But the truth is there's not a single thing within you that can't become Christ-like. Did you know that? There's not a single attribute about you that cannot become Christ-like. But it's an intentional pursuing of God and the Holy Spirit to produce this. So it's habitual. I'm habitually trying to learn and grow and become more what Jesus wants me to become. And so this morning, are we disciples who are making disciples of all generations? To me, this is probably the most overwhelming part of this whole idea of discipleship. Do you realize, think about this, do you realize that there are people in your life that will either become disciples of Jesus or will not become disciples of Jesus based on if you become a disciple of Jesus? Do you feel the weight of that? There are people in your life that are watching you There are people in your life that God has directly put you in contact with that will only be disciples if you yourself live a life of a disciple. You know, all those people I've talked to, I've worked with lots of hundreds, maybe thousands of students. Do you know what the ones that have rejected Jesus and don't want to have anything to do with it? They never say, I hate the Jesus of the Bible. They never say, I don't like the teachings. Do you know what they say? They say, I have a dad, or I have a brother, or I have a mother, or I have a friend who claims to be a Christian. They don't act anything like that, and I don't want to be anything like them. Most, if not all, of those that I've had counseling with and had deep relationships with that say, I don't want to have anything to do with it, will say it's because of someone who claimed to be a follower of Christ, someone who claimed to be a disciple, who didn't act anything like a disciple. Most people in our culture look at the church and they reject the church because they see people who claim to be disciples but don't act like disciples. We have a responsibility. We have a calling. We may not see it until eternity, the impact of our lives. We may not see how much impact we are having on all those people that we talk to, all those grandkids and kids and nephews and nieces and, and neighbors and coworkers and other students. We may never know the impact we have on their life until we get to the next life. But there's one thing I don't want to be true about my life, and I hope you don't want it to be true about your life. I do not want to get to the other side and find out that people chose to reject Christ because they didn't see him in me. Because I talked a big talk but didn't walk any walk. Because I was a pastor. But in my private life, I wasn't a disciple. See, this is where the rubber hits the road. This is where Christianity and church is such a problem. Because if I can put the front up in front of you, and we can put the front up in front of each other, and we can play the characters of Christians here, and we can pretend like we've, we're do every day, I love Jesus, I'm calling for Jesus, I'm all in. And yet everyone sees that that's not true. 
everyone sees who we really are, then this isn't church. The mission is to be a disciple. That means Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is to be a disciple. And we're to make disciples. That means it's not just for me. And it's not just for people like me. It's all generations. Every person of every creed, every nationality, I'm to help point them to be a disciple. And so I come back to the original question. Are you a disciple? Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ today? Are you making disciples of others? What can you point to in your life to validate that statement or claim? What can I say to myself? Yes, I am legitimately a disciple of Christ. Well, let me give you some helpful tools as we go. Applying this, the next step is probably the most important. We've talked about it. We recognize it. We realize it. Now, how do we apply it? How do I even live this out? How do I know how to do this? Well, first, you have holy habits. We all need holy habits. And if you go to our spiritual growth class, we talk about these holy habits and how you can apply them. I'm going to give you a, like a sky view of what we talk about in that class because this is how you can have a daily holy habits that are habitually happening in your life. So the first one, the first holy habit is a daily time in God's word. John 8 31 says, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I would encourage you to precede every day with God's word and prayer. Start the day. So here's an amazing thing. It's really been uh, a revelation for me. There's only two things you can use in life to understand life. There are only two perspectives you can have in life. You can have God's word that gives you your perspective, or you can have the word of men and people, right? There's man's word, and there's God's word. And so if the first thing I do when I get up is I look at the phone and look at the news, who am I looking to? If the first thing I do is turn on the news, it, it, it amazes me how much the news is the word of man. And how you can become a disciple of men by knowing all the things that are going on in the world of men. That when I put my heart and my perspective only on the perspective of other human beings, I'm getting their word, and I'm producing my life off of their word. I need the word of God. It's eternal. And I would encourage you to get a year plan on how to study God's word. Because if you go in it and you say, I'm just going to magically turn to a magical page and just start reading, it's very difficult to ever continue that process in your life. If you want to learn good ways to, to study God's word, come see me. Come to one of our classes because there are so many amazing ways to open up God's word in a way that every single day you'll love it a little bit more. And you'll see something you've never seen before. And there will be things that motivate you to get through the day because of what God tells you that day. But it starts with a commitment to say, I'm going to focus on God's word every single day. I'm going to focus on growing in God's word. I'm not going to be happy with the milk. I'm going for the meat. I'm going to mature. I'm going to grow. I'm not going to say I'm one thing and then live another way. I'm going to be a legitimate disciple of Jesus Christ with everything that I am. Then we're going to pray every day, talking with God, John 15, 7 through 8. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciple. 
We bear fruit by those interactions with the Lord. You know what the amazing thing is? That so many of us think that Christianity is a religion of do's and don'ts. It's a religion of showing up here at a building. It's a religion that got started by some people who wanted to control. It's, it's a relationship with the God who created everything. Jesus came to establish relationship. That's why he says when you pray, say Father. doesn't say boss or say king. He says say Father. Because Father is one of the most intimate relationships you can have in life. It's one of the most powerful relationships you can have in life. He's a relational God. And he wants to have a relationship with you. And he is going to allow you to decide how much time you spend in that relationship. Do you realize there's not a single second of your life that God is going to say, no, I'm not going to talk to you right now. No, I'm not going to listen to you right now. Now I don't have any time for you. I am busy over here. Do you realize he is always ready to talk and listen to you? There's not a moment of your life that God isn't wanting to talk and know you and you to know him more. Every second of every day, he says, speak to me, I'm here, I'm listening. It's us that make the decision. But God, I, there's so much other stuff I got to be doing. It's a commitment. It's a sacrifice. Thirdly, generosity. Do you know what breaks you from pride and greed and selfishness? Become generous with your time. Become generous with your money. Become generous with your knowledge. Become generous as a human being. Generosity kills greed. You don't give to the church because we want to build, you know, giant coliseums. You give actually because it breaks things up in your own heart that need to be broken up that somehow this money is going to save me. Somehow this money is going to protect me. Somehow this money is my only hope. Somehow, if only if I have more of this, I'll be happy. If only I have more of this, life will be, make sense and be worthwhile. That's a stronghold we all have. That's a stronghold that holds our hearts tight. And God says, if you really want to be my disciple, you've got to break up that stronghold. And the best way is to be generous. And I'm saying be generous to anybody. You don't just, you know, you don't just got to give your tithe or offering here or your generosity here. Give it to your neighbor. Be generous to everybody. Always be generous. And not just with money, but with your time, with your energy, with your knowledge, with your influence. There are so many ways we can be generous in life. There are so many opportunities that God gives us every single day to be generous. Being a disciple of Christ is being a generous person in every area of your life. And then finally, fellowship, enjoying God's family. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are what? My disciples, if you love one another. He didn't say, they'll know that you're my disciple because you can quote the entire Bible backwards and forwards, which is awesome if you can. I am very proud of you. But that's not how they know you're a disciple. They don't know you're a disciple if you have all the good theology, or you are the best attender at church, or you give the most money, or you're the most faithful in the service projects. That's not how they know you're a disciple. They know you're a disciple because you love the other believers. You love the other disciples. You don't talk bad about them. You don't undermine them. You don't undercut them. You don't criticize them. 
You support them and you celebrate when they celebrate and you cry when they cry and you walk alongside and you do life together. Because being a disciple of Christ is a relational thing. It's a relationship to the Father. It's a relationship to the family. And this is where you're, some of you are listening to me and say, I can't love these people. <laughs> I can't love other people. Do you know all the things that they've done in my life to ruin my life? Do you know what I've gone through? Do you know what I've been challenged with? I get that. And guess what? The only way that you can overcome that is the Holy Spirit of God. The only way you're going to get over that unfair treatment and that, that abuse that maybe you have legitimately felt and get to a place where you can love people and love others the way Christ loves you, you cannot do it if you try to force yourself. You cannot do it if you're just going to make it happen. You have to go to the Lord and say, I struggle with this. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't think I can do it, but I'm going to believe that you can in me. I'm going to believe that you can transform my heart and help me to love people the way you love people. I'm going to believe that I can have a soft heart, a compassionate heart, a heart that has empathy for those that are going through terrible things. A disciple of Christ is not a hard-hearted, selfish, self-centered person. A disciple of Christ isn't someone who tells you how bad you are and how good they are. A disciple of Christ is someone who constantly points back to Christ and says, only because of him am I anything. Only because of the Holy Spirit am I anything. Only because of the Holy Spirit is there anything good in me. And I want to help you to know that as well. And so a Christian is someone whose who's everything has fallen away and Christ has become all in all. And a church is a group of disciples that get together and they love on each other. And they encourage each other. Do you know why we have Sunday school before this? Because we want people to love each other and get to know each other and pray for each other. You know why we meet at Panera? Why we have a Bible study on Wednesday? Why we're trying to start new groups? Because we want you to have friends that love you and care for you and support you that are disciples of Christ. Because we believe that for you to mature, for you to become what God put you on earth to be, you need others with you to help you in that journey. And so all that we're talking about, being a disciple who makes disciples of all generations, is saying, God, in every way of our lives, help us to be like you. Help our church to look like you. Help people when they come here to sense a love and a hope and a purpose that only you can give. And so this morning, what is God telling you? God can say things to your heart that no man can say, no person can say. God can speak directly to your soul. And I believe, because I've been there and I'm there now, he's saying, I want freedom, I want victory in your life. I want peace in your heart. I want you to have rest at night. I want you to get over that thing. I want you to have peace about that thing. I want you to break free from this thing that's been holding you down. I want you to sense the joy that I have for you. I want you to look to the future and smile about it because I am good and I have good things in store for you. I want you to be excited about the next life. I want you to be excited about this life. I want you to be able to trust me in all things. I want you to take steps of, of extreme and extraordinary faith where unless God shows up, it's not going to happen. 
That's what us coming together is all about. There's nothing in this world, there's nothing that men or women can say that's better than what God has for us. There is no disciple of anyone else that's worthwhile. There's no one I can follow and be like them and find purpose, meaning, and value. And so that's our commitment. That is what we're here for. It's, not a, it's a beautiful building, but it's not the building. I'm glad you made a decision for Christ in your life. I pray that you have. But that was just the beginning. That was just the beginning. Your story is being written every day. Every day you can get a little bit closer. Every day you can become more like him. To have this happen, you must be twice born. You must be born again. Have you confessed and believed? Is there a time in your life where you say, I confess Jesus to be my savior, and I believe that he is my Lord, that he rose from the grave? Is there a time in your life where you went from death to life? Has your journey begun? Have you begun to pursue Jesus? Today is the day you can do that. As we sing our last song, if you want to come forward and ask Christ to be your savior, if you want to come forward and recommit yourself and say, you know what? I want to restart some things in my life. I want to have a joy in my heart. I want to be released from some of this stuff that I've been holding on to. I want to have freedom and victory in my life. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to know Jesus better tomorrow than I know him today. If that's you, as we sing this song in a moment, we'll have prayer counselors here in the front. We'd love to pray with you, encourage you, support you, begin that journey with you, continue that journey with you. But these are moments. Listen, you're going to have the rest of the day, and most of the rest of the day, your flesh is going to be telling you what to do. And you're going to have a whole week where the world will be talking to you all the time. Focus on this, focus on that, focus on this, focus on that. This is a moment when heaven is opened, eternity is revealed, and we here at this place, at this time, get to reflect on that. We get to consider who we really are. We get to consider what is yet to come. We get to make decisions today that have eternal impacts. If I could talk to you in an infinity future, I'm telling you, we would all look back and say, don't miss these moments. Don't miss how God is moving because the rest of this week, he's going to look to you to follow him. He's going to look to you to listen even when it's not these moments.